Our reading this morning is the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier in the church of your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending him my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even of your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Third, on the basis of love means loving others because God loves them. On the basis of love means loving others because God loves them. Listen to verses 15 and 16 again. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul wants Philemon to grasp the divine perspective as he reasons what is the right thing to do with Onesimus. And he wants us to consider three things that God has done in Onesimus' life. First, he wants us to recognize God's purpose in all of this. 
If you read carefully, verse 15 has the verb in the passive. It's used in Paul, what we call the divine passive, to suggest that the person who is doing this, who has acted in all of this, is ultimately God. Paul is saying, perhaps it wasn't really Onesimus running away from you. Perhaps it really was God parting you from Onesimus so that Onesimus could become a Christian and come back to you as a brother. What if you looked at it that way instead of what he did to me and instead looked at it as what is God doing in this relationship that he has brought me back my slave as a fellow Christian? That's a new perspective that comes from recognizing what God is doing. Second, God wants us to recognize that Onesimus was gone for a little while. But now because he is a Christian, you have him back forever. You have this relationship eternally. Well, that affects a lot how you think about the moment. If I'm going into eternity as brother and brother with this person, then I need to make that relationship operative right now. And then third, consider, Paul wants Onesimus to consider, God's adoption. Onesimus is coming back no longer as a slave. He is coming back as a beloved brother in the Lord. You see, what has happened here is when Onesimus was saved, God said, you are my child, and you are well loved by me. You are an inheritance of heaven and glory. You call me Abba, and I call you son. That is what has happened in the gospel. And so because of that, the relationship that exists between Philemon and Onesimus can no longer be understood as slave and master, but as brother and brother. Anything else would be to fail to grasp what God has done. We see this summarized in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where Paul says, In the gospel there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. That means a lot to Onesimus. There's no slave nor master. That means a lot to Onesimus. But it also must mean a lot to Philemon. Because they're all one in Christ Jesus. And this is why you can see clearly that the institution of slavery is going to be rolled over into the dustbin of history when the gospel controls the hearts of its people. Because when this reality comes into the face of the former ways, you say, I can't. I can't own somebody. As F.F. Bruce said, what this letter does is to bring us into an atmosphere in which the institution of slavery could only wilt and die. And it is a major stain and shame of the church that it took us so many generations to allow this clear teaching to truly rule us. 
But it was always supposed to. Because it was always there. So what we mean when we say it means loving others because God loves them is this. Here's what Philemon is facing. God's will is clear. I have determined to make Onesimus a son in my house. A son in your house. The question for Philemon then is this. Are you going to disagree with God's will? You can be a son in God's house, but you are a slave in my house. You are forgiven in God's house, but you are going to pay the last penny in my house. Can that happen? No. Philemon is being put in the place of choosing, where are you in the the parable of the prodigal son? You have the prodigal coming home from the far country. And when he comes home, he meets the father who comes out to wrap his arms around him and says, I have a banquet for you. You were lost, but now you were found. Praise God. But you also have the elder brother who is infuriated that this younger brother who has, has, has ruined the estate, has wasted money on prostitutes, is now coming back and he's getting to have a party? And I'm the good son. I've done everything right. You see, there are two ways that we can wait towards someone who has wronged us. We can wait like the Father in love, watching out that window, hoping for repentance, hoping that there will be that day where we can wrap our arms around them because that's what we want to do. And if we could bring the words, I'm sorry, out of that person, we'd do it yesterday. The other way, though, is to be like the elder brother and to just wait in judgment. I hope I get to see that person one more time because I want to tell him a little bit more. I want to lay the whole book on him. Philemon is being told, if you are going to be living out the gospel, you cannot wait for your lost brother in judgment. You have to wait with him, with God in love. The gospel means God's love must order our affections. And that means it has to be breaking down barriers. People you never thought you could love. The gospel is saying, love them because I love them. And that's a challenge for all of us. Has the gospel broken down barriers? Or do you just love a certain group of people and ignore another group? Based on socioeconomic status or race or where they come from, that's not the gospel. We love because God loves them. If God has shown love, so must we. Now fourth, we've seen that on the basis of love means our faith is made visible in the church, that it means doing the right thing willingly, that it means loving others because God loves them. Fourth, it means forgiving others as God has forgiven us. What what sort of forgiveness is being asked for from Philemon? Well, let me give you an example of what it isn't. When I was in high school, I loved to debate. I loved to just get in front of people and just tell them what I think all the time and and just make them listen. I found the right job, I think. No. Uh, I loved to debate. And I was good at it. Enjoyed it. 
successful at it. I had a debate partner, and uh, she also was very good, but we got to the national tournament my senior year. It's our first time we finally broke through the national tournament. And I spent the six months before nationals doing everything I could to be ready because I wanted to punch high at the national tournament. My debate partner, however, wanted to enjoy her senior year of high school and did very little. And so when we got to the national tournament, we blew it. We had uh, no success at all. And it was so obvious. It was because she blew it. She ruined it. I was ready. And I was so mad at her. I threw that relationship away. Because she, she had taken something I cherished and loved and smashed it to smithereens. I was right for being angry. She had done wrong. As wrong of a thing as, she could, as anyone could do to me. Well, about a year later, she came back. And she gave me an apology. She said, I am sorry. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. What can I say? And I explained to her what happened. She said, I'm sorry. And I was a young Christian. And so I said, okay, I I forgive you. I said the words. I got them out. I did what I was supposed to do. But the relationship never really came back together. We we had a a couple outings together. And she could just kind of tell, you know, you're you're just, you're not the same. And she asked me uh, about six months later, Am I your friend? And I said, well, really, you're, you're more of an acquaintance. And I broke her heart. We were supposed to be friends after that. But I called her less than a friend. I said, you're somebody out there. You're nice. And the last word she said to me, and this was, this was 15 years ago, I will never speak to you again. She's kept her word. Now, what happened? There was an opportunity for reconciliation there. But what did I do? I gave cheap forgiveness. I gave forgiveness because there was an apology. But I did not give reconciliation. I did not give relationship. I took the apology. I gave the words, I forgive you. But I held on to it. I was more righteous now because she said I'm sorry. That is not what forgiveness on the basis of love is. If we look at this letter, we will see what forgiveness on the basis of love is very quickly. Verse 16, forgiveness on the basis of love reflects the new reality of the gospel. We are pursuing brothers and sisters in Christ. Second, Forgiveness on the basis of love restores the relationship. Do not take him back as a mere slave. Receive him back as a brother. There's a relationship that is being restored. Third, we see that true forgiveness must be complete. What does Paul say in verse uh, 18? If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. What he means by that is once you say, I forgive you, there is nothing left about this debt. Either I'll pay for it or you're going to forgive it. But when this is over, there is no holding on to it. It is paid out. It is released. Debt canceled. There is no six months later, yeah, but still you did. 
It's over when it is forgiveness on the basis of love. And then fourth, forgiveness on the basis of love should not be delayed. Look at verse 22. After all of this has been said, Paul says, At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Paul is setting a clock. He is saying, I'm coming. I'm going to visit you. And I hope when I get there, I see all of this taken care of. So what he is saying there is, when we have somebody to forgive, we do not wait and wait and wait. We urge ourselves, we exhort ourselves, we do what we need to do to come to a place where we say, I forgive you. I am ready to forgive you. But you respond probably with saying, this hurts. It, it's, it's unnatural. It's costly. I can't, I can't forgive this thing that, that I have in my past. It's too painful. Let me say at least this much. There are some things where even in the best forgiveness that we can give on this side of heaven, there are places where we have to protect ourselves. If it is an abusive relationship, sexually or physically, there is only so much of that relationship that can be fixed. But we should recognize that those cases hopefully are small. But they do need to be considered. And if you need to talk to me as a pastor about one of, or some of those situations, I'm happy to do that. So we're here. We, it hurts. It's unnatural. It's costly. I say it to all of that, yes. To say I'm sorry, I forgive you to, to my debate partner was hard, but we have to go to these words that were said to us on the cross. Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them for, I know not, for they know not what they do. While Christ was dripping blood and gurgling in his lungs the sounds of death, he still says, Father, forgive these people who have driven the nails into my hands and my feet, who have whipped my back, who have hurled uh, horrible taunts. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But here's the thing, Christ was on that cross for you, for me. Christ hung on that cross and gurgled to his last breath for your forgiveness. It was done for us. And so the key for Philemon may be what is said at verse 19. Paul says, you owe your own self. Paul is reminding him that Philemon Two was a runaway fugitive from God, a slave of sin who has now been made a son of God. And that was done at the cost, at the precious cost of God's one and only son. So how can we not show the world the costly love given to us by giving it to others? So what was the result? Let's end the cliffhanger. The most likely conclusion is that Philemon did in fact respond to Onesimus with forgiveness and welcomed him back on account of this letter. And how do we know that? Because we have the letter. The letter would have been destroyed and burned if Philemon had not responded on the basis of love. I want to end with this question for you. Is your understanding of the gospel and all the riches of Christ deep enough to forgive that person 
who has hurt you most? That's the question of Philemon. And if it is not, then let me ask one more probing question. Do you know God's forgiveness? Do you know it? Have you lived it out? Have you trusted in it? Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The forgiveness of Christ, the forgiveness of God is offered to all who would say, I am sorry. And it is the father of the prodigal son ready to wrap his arms around you and say, come into my banquet. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, have mercy on me. I need you. And the power of this forgiveness will begin to reign and explode into every relationship of your life. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. Father, teach us the forgiveness of Christ that we might be forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Help us to live on the basis of love, Father, not on the ways of the world. You are good and gracious. Let your goodness and graciousness flow through us. In Jesus' name, amen.